0: Well, it's good to be back together uh, here in the gymnasium as we look at the topic of biblical manhood and womanhood. Uh, If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that uh, because this is part two today of what we discussed last week. So it all fits together. And what we've been looking at both last week and today is specifically the Christian husband and wife in the home. Uh, Last week we turned our attention to Ephesians 5. And we looked at uh, some different things with that. Uh, there were four different observations. One is that wives are called to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. We also looked at the fact that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is to the church. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And finally, we also saw how Christ's love is unconditional, sacrificial, and ultimately promotes the holiness of the church. And so should our love be for our wives. We also looked at the humbling reality that our marriages actually points to that relationship to your neighbor, to the world, about Christ and his relationship with the church. Well, today let's go further into that uh, very topic, and turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3 we're going to be looking at the first seven verses, So, beginning in verse one of first Peter three, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even as some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm going to look at this with with you today under two simple headings that are on your handout. And the first is biblical submission is powerful, it's beautiful, and it's rewarding. And then secondly, we'll look at biblical leadership as being considerate and selfless. Well, first of all, let's look at uh, biblical uh, submission. Last week, we looked at this in Ephesians 5, and we said that a wife uh, should biblically submit to her own husband as she submits to the Lord, recognizing the authority structure that God has placed in the context of the home. One of the questions I asked last week is, what does submission look like? And I think part of that question was kind of getting at the fruit of what submission does look like, and certainly there will be fruit, but today we're going to talk more at the inward reality of the posture of biblical submission. In, first, in verse 1 of 1 Peter 3, it says that a wife should be submissive to her own husband, reinforcing the idea of submission of the wife to the husband in the home. But let's look more at the humble posture of submitting to the husband. This involves trusting the husband. It is not conditional, hear this, women and wives, it is not conditional on how a husband is leading. But rather, this is God's expert design in placing the man in the position of leadership. When a wife submits, she's ultimately saying, God, I understand and I even accept your plan of order in the home and i will obey you by coming under my husband's leadership, guidance and protection as prophet, priest and king of our home. But notice further in verse 2 that biblical submission involves respectful and pure conduct. This was mentioned actually back in Ephesians 5:33 which says However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So why is it important that the wife respect her husband? Well, let's go back one moment because we want to see that the Bible actually calls us, all of us, to respect authority. For example, we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you And are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So it's saying here in this passage that we're to respect those in authority over us, offering encouragement in their time of need, which ultimately in verse 13 says leads to what? Leads to peace, which is harmony and unity. So if we take that passage. And it's right for us to do so, and actually to apply it in the context of the home, what do we see then? That as a wife lovingly respects her husband, showing understanding of God's sovereignty and how he's ordered the home, then it leads to peace, it leads to harmony, it leads to unity in the home. Now, men, hear this. The wife should be able to respect you as a man. She should be able to respect your character, your morals, your integrity, your honesty, your walk with the Lord, your vocation, your position in the home. If she cannot respect the husband, then it's going to lead to a lot of difficulties. And yet, she should still look for ways to respect her husband, for this is right and it will help preserve the peace in the same way that respecting leadership in the church promotes peace and purity in the church. So ladies, you're to respect the man that God has given you in the home regardless of how he acts sometimes or regardless even of his attributes. There's still some things surely that you can find that you can respect, even if it's just his position of leadership in the home that's God ordained. Now, it becomes very difficult when the man is not respectable. Certainly, you men in the room should be, and I should be, striving and striving and striving by the grace of the Holy Spirit to be worthy of respect in your homes. When a man pursues holiness and he genuinely loves his wife, then it makes it a lot easier for the wife to desire to submit biblically to her husband. But we see in this passage of 1 Peter, there's actually power in the wife submitting in a respectful way to her husband. Blake Boylston writes, ladies, by the way you submit, God can actually use your behavior to convince a husband that the gospel is true. Notice in verse 1 that even an unbelieving husband may be won over by what? The respectful conduct of his wife. Certainly for the believing husband to have a respectful and submissive wife, points them to the gospel as she lives out the gospel before them. She respects his leadership and she helps him flourish. Boylston continues, she's not a doormat. She has her own ideas and opinions, but she uses them to help her husband grow rather than to undermine him. She may disagree with him sometimes and confront him when he's in sin, but she's a joy to lead. He needs her, and she shows that she's willing to trust him. I was reading through as I was studying this week, and uh, I, I read this excerpt from a book, and the author's name was withheld. But I want to read through this because it's an important statement. So this is a woman writing, As I gradually accepted my husband's need for me to be his helper and that God had designed me for that task, I began to understand my ministry in our marriage. I began to understand that I am God's gift to my husband. I was created for this, but I also volunteered for it as I stood at the altar. As I began submitting to his need for me to be his helper rather than trying to change him, I began to see wonderful changes. He became less proud and more sensitive. I looked for opportunities to forgive, to be kind and gracious, to do for him what I do for people at church. I stopped expecting my husband to meet needs that only Christ can meet, and I started building my husband up rather than tearing him down. So we see a beautiful example of biblical femininity in the home with a woman who's attempting, by God's grace, to be an azer, a helper to her husband, submitting and respecting to him, and then what happens? He changes, right? As the gospel is lived out before him, he becomes less proud. He becomes more sensitive. There's great power in a biblical, godly woman humbly submitting to the authority of That God has in place. Well, secondly, notice in our text today that having an attitude of submission is sometimes hidden, sometimes hidden. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verses three through four. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious." Now, how many of you women fixed your hair this morning and put on jewelry this morning? Does that mean you were wrong to do so? No. Peter's not saying he's not forbidding certain hairstyles or jewelry. It doesn't mean that a woman will not take care of the outward. But it does mean that she will focus more on the inward than the outward. Uh, Peter's implying in this passage, as we see in other passages, that outward beauty is fleeting And it's superficial. Outward beauty brings attention to what? Self. Whereas inward beauty brings attention to God. So women, the question here then is how are you caring for the inward? Are you reading God's word? Are you praying? Are you seeking to have a gentle and quiet spirit that's precious in God's sight and will bring him glory? Though Boylston concludes this important topic on submission by writing this, Submission is more of an ongoing posture, ongoing posture and pattern of trustful respect. It flavors the whole marriage relationship. It's all of life. And I hope you see that in all of this, that submission in marriage isn't designed to be a burden. It's a posture of beauty, life, and ultimately strength. The wife who embraces this calling doesn't sacrifice, listen to this, doesn't sacrifice her ability to influence others and make a positive contribution on her family. Rather, it's through submission by God's grace that she powerfully produces growth, godliness, and fruit in her husband and children. Well, what about the men in this passage? Look with me again in, in 1 Peter 3, <clears throat> verse 7. We want to see from this text that biblical leadership is considerate and selfless. Peter writes, likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so your prayers may not be hindered. Four things we want to see here. One is a man should be understanding. Two he should give honor. Uh, Three as fellow heirs and then fourth, the result is that prayers are not hindered. First of all, Peter instructs husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way. The phrase in an understanding way means according to knowledge, according to knowledge. So the meaning then is to be continually dwelling together as husbands with your wife according to knowledge. Stuart Scott writes, this knowledge can be anything from knowledge of one's wife to the knowledge of Christian principles, but the idea here is that a husband must live with his wife in accordance with the things he should know. Well, that brings up the question, doesn't it? What should a man know about his wife? Well, to know your wife necessarily involves an intimacy that a husband's going to know certain things about his wife that other people may not know for example as husbands and there's more here than what i'm going to say but just think through how do you know your wife in this way what does she enjoy what makes her tick what is frustrating for her what trials is she facing what are her temptations what communicates love to her what encourages her what are her fears among many other things Men, get to know your wife, observe her, ask questions, and periodically experience her world. In other words, notice her work, put yourself in her shoes for a day. I know I have done that from time to time, and I have been absolutely humbled at what my wife does day in and day out. And so we should walk along your wife for a day, see what she does, see what things come her way, see how she handles them you'll get a renewed appreciation for who she is. And we're still learning, aren't we? In our homes and our marriages, aren't we still learning about our spouses? We've been married 24 years, and there's things that I've learned this year that I didn't know 24 years ago. So we're still learning as we grow together uh, in marital union for the glory of God. But another aspect, and this is an important one that we need to touch on, another aspect of understanding our wives, men, is allowing them to have needs. It should never be said of a spouse, I will not try to have this particular need so that you won't be burdened by it. Now, it may be a physical need or a spiritual need or an emotional need. Let's just take an example. Men, let's just say that your wife has an emotional need that maybe has been brought into the marriage from childhood or maybe from another relationship prior to marriage, should the wife carry that burden alone, trying to shelter her husband from it? Well, the answer to that is no, unless it's a need that only Christ can ultimately meet. See, women, if you take that away from the husband and don't really share that with him, then you're preventing the husband from ministering to that particular need that you have. You with me on that? So don't take away the husband's privilege or vice versa to minister to your needs and attend to them. Attend to your spouse's needs, and in doing so, your hearts will ultimately be knit more and more together. Well, secondly, Peter writes that we should give honor to our wives as a weaker vessel. So it's not just living with them in an understanding way, but it's also giving honor to them. In other words, husbands should do all they can to give honor to, to speak highly of, to esteem their wives in their home and before others. In the Greek, the word vessel here means useful container or instrument. And the word weaker means strengthless or fragile. Some take this viewpoint that we are to honor our wives as the weaker sex physically or emotionally. Both of which could be true. In most cases, wives are not as physically strong as husbands. And in many cases, but not always, the wife may have greater emotional sensitivity than the husband. Stuart Scott writes regarding this verse, Peter is still telling us, however, how we should honor our wives. We're to treat our wives in the way that we would a very delicate and useful vessel. We're to esteem her and to handle her carefully and treat her as valuable. Well, men, how are you doing with this? And furthermore, how can we honor our wives? Well, certainly part of that is by telling her how thankful you are for her, by speaking kindly to her, using words that will build her up and encourage her and not tear her down or discourage her. Do not say things that will belittle her to others, such as derogatory jokes or even sarcasm, which is almost always dishonoring and not glorifying to God. I have an acquaintance, not at this church, that's always making jokes at his wife's expense. The wife will laugh or smile, but behind that grin is a sad, empty vessel that has been cracked. And after enough cracks, what happens to that delicate person? It crumbles. It's no longer held together with tender love and care. Men, we should be the kindest and most loving to our wives more than any other person in the whole world. It's a ministry of grace in your home that will serve as the glue for your marriage and illustrate a bond that your children will assume is necessary and good in their future or even current marriages. So we looked at the husband understanding his wife, we looked at the husband honoring his wife. Why is this important? Well, it goes on in this verse, because they are fellow heirs of the grace of life. Men, remember your wife is not just your wife, she is your sister in Christ, right? And so as such, she should be treated with respect, knowing that you're both on the same journey to that wonderful celestial city that Bunyan described in Pilgrim's Progress. As both are created in the image of God and both are fellow heirs, so should there be a mutual respect one for another. Wayne Mack writes, this reminds husbands that even though they have been given greater authority within marriage, their wives are still equal to them in spiritual privilege and eternal importance. They are joint heirs. Well, finally and fourthly, what is the result? In other words, what's going to happen if wives really live in this way and husbands really live in this way as we've described in 1 Peter 3? Well, it says at the end of this passage, the result is that our prayers as men will not be hindered. Don't miss that, men. That's so important. Peter's saying, hey, if you do these things and you have this attitude in your marriage, your prayers are not going to be hindered. Now, to be sure, this does not mean that God will answer all of your prayers in accordance with your will, men. That's not what he's saying here. But it does mean that our prayers will be interrupted or impeded if we don't have this attitude and posture with our wives. John Calvin once wrote, among strifes and contentions, there's no place for prayer, but he, that is God, bids them to be at peace with one another so that they might with one mind, with one mind, pray to God. Now, I want you to take, let's just take a couple of minutes. We haven't done this in a few weeks, but I want you to talk around your tables And actually, it's very unfair for me to just give you a couple minutes for these questions. But just start. We may continue next week. Here are the two questions. For women, how is biblical submission rewarding? How is it rewarding as a wife? And then for the men, what are some examples of selfless biblical leadership? Examples of selfless biblical leadership. You can look into the scriptures for that, or even just practical examples day in and day out. So women, how is biblical submission rewarding as a wife? Men, what are some examples of selfless biblical leadership as a husband? Take a few minutes to discuss that, and then we'll conclude. All right, let's, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes and come back together as we conclude our lesson today. <coughs> you know, part of you may be saying, or at least inwardly, if you're not saying it outwardly, why does Kevin keep harping on this? Why does he keep talking about biblical manhood and womanhood in the home? Well, because it's important. And ultimately, because it, again, it shows the relationship between Christ and the church. That's how important it is. And then secondly, it's not only affecting you and your home, but it's affecting generations to come. Do we realize that? For those of you that are raising children in the home, they're seeing this. For those of you that may not be ha- may not have children at home, you're saying, "Well, yeah, Kevin, but that doesn't really apply to me." It still does. How does it? Because as you're walking the halls of the church with your spouse, the covenant kids of this church are watching, and you have an example to show to them what the relationship is between Christ and the church. How humbling! How powerful is that? So that's why I keep harping on this. And we may even do it again next week as the Lord leads. We'll see. But this is a big deal. It's a big deal to Christ. It's a big deal to His church. He talks a lot about it in His Word. How many of you had uh, pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving? Okay, several of you. Now, how would that pumpkin pie have tasted if pumpkin was the only ingredient? Probably not very good, right? Right? So you had a mixture of things coming together to create that final picture of what it would look like and what it would taste like and what it would smell like. Well, and likewise, when man and woman are functioning appropriately in their respective roles in the home, all the ingredients are there. To give a pleasing aroma to the Lord, to glorify Him in your homes, to show to the world Christ loves His church, gave Himself for her, and the church lovingly submits to Him. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You that it is powerful. We thank You that it cuts deep at times. We thank You for the relationship that You have created in our homes and our marriages to reflect that relationship between Christ and the church. God, may we never, ever lose sight of that, how important this is. Help us as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for, and help the wives in this room by your grace, by your strength, by your power, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to live in a way that would be pleasing as well to you and their homes. Oh God, give us homes that are places of grace filled with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.